you've called us to be. And as we look into your word today, God, let us have an honest time of reflection on what it means to be the church. And all God's people said, amen. First Corinthians chapter five, verse six. We're talking about reclaiming the church, a series about getting back to what the church is really supposed to be about, looking in Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. And this morning, I wanna to talk to you about biblical community and what that really means and what that really looks like. And I've titled this morning's message, uh, The Church Membrane. Church Membrane, what does that mean? You're like, what? That's kind of a weird title. Church Membrane, and I'm not a, I'm not a uh, medical uh, graduate, I didn't go to school for that, but you know, I know the basics, so I'm just gonna give you the basics of a little biology uh, 101 for those of you who are medical professionals. I'll apologize in advance, but you know every uh, every one of us uh, have cells that comprise our body, and these cells have a cell wall uh, or we call it a membrane. All right, so there's different types of cells. There's skin cells and blood cells and tissue cells and brain cells. All right, but all that working together makes your body function, and each of these cells has a function and a form, a function and a form. And that form and function is in large part because of its membrane. It's this semi-permeable layer that makes the cell distinct from other cells. It's made of lipids and proteins, okay? And there's the plasma on the inside, but it's something that separates it from the outside world. But the cool thing about cell membranes is that it allows certain good things in to be transported through the body and to reproduce that somewhere else. So for instance, you've got your blood cells, your red blood cells. It goes into your lungs, it takes in the oxygen through that membrane because it's a good thing, and it goes through your veins, it goes through your body, into your tissues, and releases that O2 into your body so that your dead tissue, which would otherwise be dead, can be a living thing. Now here's the problem. Sometimes you get into certain cells, certain types of viruses that get past that membrane and then they act as if they were something good, but they're really not. They look like they were something good and they, they uh, distract the membrane, right? They come in and then they reproduce not the cell, but their own self, all right? So they, they get past it. So every good membrane keeps out the bad things, lets in the good things, and then is able to take those good things and, and bind with other cells together and produce those good things uh, in the rest of the body so the body can live. And if you think about that, the church is much the same way. Every church needs a good cell membrane, something that has form and function, something that allows us to be separated from the outside world but not isolated from it, to be in the world but not of the world, to allow the good things to come in and us to take those good things and go to the dead tissue places of the world and give life to it. The problem becomes though, when we allow things from the world to come in through that membrane and into the church and begin to reproduce itself. And what am I talking about today? I'm talking about a true biblical definition of community. What does it mean to be a church member? What does it mean to be a part of a local church? It means to have this cell membrane define who we are, what we're all about and where we're going, who is and who is not a part of this local assembly. Uh, you know, membranes don't isolate, but they do separate. 
You know, Jesus is for everyone, so this church and every church should be for everyone. For this reason, we welcome every person into our church. They can come sit in our pews. They can come be a part of our small group Bible studies and, and be a part of our memories. But just because someone comes to our church doesn't mean they are our church. Just because someone attends our functions doesn't mean they have our function. Just because someone comes to the form of our weekly gathering doesn't mean they are a part of the form of our weekly gathering. You see, the purpose of biblical community is to see life transformation happen in the world. It's like that red blood cell. To take in that good O2 from Jesus Christ and take that living, breathing thing the Holy Spirit gives us and take it to the dead places of our world and let it pass through our membership and into the world and affect life-giving change. How many say amen to that? That's what this community is all about. That's We are a biblical community, but that requires some things. That requires some things. And it requires more than a membership card. It requires us to have this same identity as a local cell, a local church of the body of Jesus Christ. But there's some problems in the American church that we can identify this morning with this idea. The first one is this, is there's a saying that goes around that says, well, we don't want to offend anyone. We want everyone to feel they belong and we shouldn't judge. And those are all good statements, by the way. And the church has for too long been too rigid and too not permeable enough, not accepting enough. And we've been too stuck in tradition and we've never, we've not been transforming the world like we should. But that can only go so far because it's not a popular topic today in culture that we value tolerance, we devalue diversity. The world today is about accepting everyone no matter their sin. Culture says we should be open-minded, not to judge people, just to accept and love them as they are and let God do the rest. That's problem number one. Problem number two is there's an idea in the local church that says, well, who are you to judge me? Who are you to tell me how I should live my life? You've heard this before. You just see it on social media all the time. Who are you to judge me? Who are these religious hypocrites? They all got sin. They've got issues. We're independent and we don't see ourselves as a part of the function and form of the local assembly. We're prideful sometimes and we've never given anyone permission to speak into our life and give us correction or advice. Godly counsel and wisdom. We reject it because we're independent, we're self-made and we can be who God has called us to be and that's just between me and Jesus. That's actually not biblical. Problem number three is this. We're not close enough anymore in the American church to know what's going on in each other's lives. Or worse, we really don't care. We can watch someone on social media and we can see them post. They can say, oh, I go to Sanctuary. I'm going to go to this church. I'm a part of that church. My membership card is there. I got my letter over here and I'm over here. I don't know how that works, by the way. But you can go have a letter here. You can go to that church. You can be a part of this and you can attend and you show up a couple times a year and that's my church. And we can watch people on social media and we can see their Facebook posts and their sexy selfies and their language and their political rants and tirades and we can see them talk about all kinds of people and we'll never address it even though they are part of our church. We'll never say it because we don't want to offend, we don't want to judge and honestly here's the issue. We're not invested enough in their life to have any voice. We're not in relationship with them to a degree that they couldn't get offended if we were able to talk to them about something going on in their life because we honestly are too busy and we don't care. So it's gonna get real here in a second, are you ready? You see, the biggest problems we face in the American church is not what we're dealing with on the outside in the world, it's what we're dealing with right here. 
The biggest problem the church faces is not that the world is dying and going to hell. It's that the church is lacking that transforming power of biblical community. That we haven't taken in the O2 that we need to have life in this cell and then taking that life and taking it to the dead places and releasing it. You see, the problem is never with the dead tissue. Its problems is always here at the local church level. So the biggest problem is not what's on the outside, but what we've allowed to live on the inside. We've allowed too many viruses to come through the cell wall and reproduce itself. You know that every person in this room has a role in addressing sin in this church. Every person in this church has a job to do in regards to building biblical community as a part of this family. And what does that mean? It means that biblical community from every member needs protection and it sometimes needs correction. And again, this isn't very popular today. Biblical community needs protection and sometimes it needs correction. So let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Let's hit the background because I want to talk to you about this compromised church. Compromised church. Paul is, is speaking to this church that he founded and he, he birthed it and he let some leaders there. And for a few years it was going well and he gets word back that it hasn't gone so well. And he addresses some issues about denominationalism and, and preferences over leaders and some divisiveness they had, but then he starts pointing out some very obvious sin issue. You see, Corinth, uh, in the town in, in this century, in the first century, Corinth was a very sexualized society. Uh, there was prostitution at the local temples that you could go, and that was the way you worship. I mean, you're talking like way out there. You could worship that way. There was male prostitution, female prostitution, homosexuality, pagan revelry, drunken, sexualized parties, and that was the norm of that culture. And the, that norm was so infused into society that when you became a church member in this local church, there was confusion on how do you separate what is outside versus inside? How do you be the church in a world like that? How do we transform this culture and be different but also be in it? And so Paul learns that there has been some problems with this, that even in the church, there were members who could be in blatant immorality and still be in good standing with the local church, even to the degree that perhaps some of them were on leadership. One specific man had, uh, I guess his father had died, we, we suppose, and he had shacked up, let's just say, with his stepmom, okay? And you're like, oh, gross, that's old. And Paul says the same, that doesn't even happen in the pagan world, and you've allowed this guy to be in good standing in the local church, and no one's even talked to him about it? And you're even boasting about how well your church is doing when this kind of stuff's going on. Not to mention, there are other members in your church who are suing each other over petty things, taking each other to court. So he begins to address this, and he says, basically, I'm concerned that you're rapidly losing your transforming power in your local community. I'm concerned that you're losing your testimony in your city. And you could say, well, what was going on? Well, maybe... Maybe the leaders are trying to avoid offense. We just don't want to offend anybody. We want everybody to feel like they belong and they have a place here. And maybe that was one thing. Or maybe they were just like, just let them come in and let God deal with it. You know, eventually they'll figure it out. God's going God's gonna to help them. God's going to convict them and, and that's going to just happen on its own. Or maybe they were so inundated with their own culture, they couldn't even see it. We don't know. But look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven or yeast leavens the whole lump of dough? 
Clean out the old leaven so you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened. For Christ our Passover has also been sacrificed. Therefore let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven or the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the leaven of unleavened bread, of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter not, not to associate with immoral people, but I did not mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and the swindler or with the idolater. You'd have to go out of this world for that. But I actually, I actually wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? But do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside God judges, remove this wicked man from among yourself. You know, um, in regard to this pandemic, most of us are talking about viruses and cells. Most of us thought early on, we were very worried about when we went out of our house and did things that we were going to protect ourselves. So we we're like, you know, all the bad stuff's out there. And, you know, you wear your mask and you germ X and you treat everybody like the plague when you're out there. But when you come home, man, it's okay. okay. Or when we're with our close friends or families and we let our guard down. And, you know, the number one transmission was not with strangers at Walmart. The number one transmission was with people we let our guard down with. And, and when uh, I got COVID early on, uh, my wife locked me in my bedroom for 10 days. I was sick for three, by the way, had hardly any symptoms. And for 10 days, I'm getting like food passed under the door like I'm in a dungeon or something. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like, I got to get out of this house. I'm going to bust through the window, go around town. You know, like I'm thinking this in my head. But why did we do that? One, my wife works at a nursing home. So we were very strict at our home about keeping that population safe. But also my family and, and myself, I mean, my kids. Why? Because I care about the safety of my community. And sometimes the church has got to be the same way. Sometimes we are so much in fear and talking about the sin that's out there in the world that we let our guard down with things that we need to be addressing here in the local community. We let the gossip slide. We let a lie slide. We, we don't really speak to issues going on with people that we know dearly. We care about them, but we don't ever talk to them about things going on in their life. We can see their marriages falling apart, or we can see them posting not great things on social media, or they're attending less and less, but we never address it. You'll catch a believer in a lie, or you, you just listen to the gossip of that person, and we never pull them out, call them out on it. And we allow that thing to begin to reproduce to the degree that the local church no longer takes in transforming power and takes out transforming power to the world. That's why, I'll say it again, the biggest problem we face in the local church is not what is on the outside, but what we allow to reproduce on the inside. Are we living in biblical community if we don't have the voice to talk and speak the truth to one another? Are we really living in biblical community if we're not truly invested in each other's lives to have a loving, biblical, honest conversation with those around us? Or do we see the church as this community club, some event that we come to, some membership form that we sign, some doctrine that we agree in? Are we truly in transforming biblical community like the Bible says? Let me give you two words, function and form. Number one is function. Each member of a cell, each thing that's inside the cell has to have the DNA of that host. 
That's the same is true for the local church. Every church has to have the DNA of Jesus Christ. You have to have his DNA in you, meaning that you were once lost, born of your sinful flesh, but because you repent and believe on the work of Jesus Christ by faith, you now become born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. You had a blood DNA with your family that was a cursed blood DNA of sin. But when you become born again, you enter into a new spiritual family, a new father, a new heritage, that you have now the blood of Jesus running through your spiritual veins and that you take on the traits of your heavenly father. That means now I don't act the same way when I'm angry. I long to be who my father wants me to be. I know my heritage and my hope and my inheritance is from him and now I'm not looking to this earthly man to satisfy who I'm supposed to be I'm looking to him somebody say amen that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 look at that uh, just the next chapter over he's basically telling us something transformation is the number one thing that's required to be a member in a local church you want to talk about church membership? The first thing we talk about is transformation. That's why he says in uh, chapter 6, verse 9, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Not people who are in sexual sin, not idolaters, not adulterers, not male prostitutes, not homosexuals, not thieves, not greedy people, not drunkards, not people who are abusive to others, not people who cheat others. None of these people were inherit the kingdom of God. He says, but such were some of you. Were some of you. You were some of these people, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God, meaning you have been internally and publicly transformed by a new spiritual DNA in Jesus Christ. If you're going to be a part of the local community, a biblical community, a local church, you have to have taken that O2 from Jesus Christ and it has to first give life to this cell. For this cell to function and thrive as a local church, every single member has to be born again in a biblical community. We have to all be a living thing. There can't be one thing of death in here. Now we allow the church people of the world to attend, yes. We allow people to visit, but doesn't mean they're a part of us. Those who are us have to be living. Somebody say amen. Transformation is the number one thing required to be the function of the local church. The function of the local church is transformation. We are transformed and our job is to work with Christ to transform others. So Paul says, if there's a member in your ranks who is willfully denying the transforming power of Jesus Christ, they need to make a choice to either start being transformed or they need to get out. Now this is not popular American church, but this is biblical church. Now yeah, we allow unbelievers in, but you know what Paul would later say in 1 Corinthians? He would say, Guys, yes, when unbelievers come in your midst, they're going to hear you speaking in tongues. They're going to see prophetic words. They're going to see the Spirit moving, and God's going to speak to their heart. And when they see you doing all kinds of crazy stuff like this, they're going to know the sin in their heart. God's going to point it out, and they're going to say, surely God is in this place. Either they're going to do that, or they're going to leave. But what we've allowed in local church is just this thing that you come to and you be a part of and you can put your membership on, you can get a letter, you can believe in the doctrine and you can come once or twice a month and think, I'm in biblical community, which is a lie from the devil. You see, biblical community, number one, begins with life-giving transformation that comes from the Spirit of God. One author says, taking Christ's name, Christian, means you have to take his character. You can't take his name without taking his character. This means church membership is more than attendance. It's more than some letter. 
It means to be a member of a local church is not about signing a piece of paper, but it's turning the other cheek when you're offended. It means choosing to forgive. It means sacrificing in love. It means demonstrating his character because membership in a local church is who you are in Jesus Christ. But what happens when so-called Christians who don't want to pray, who don't participate in worship, who never serve, who continue to live like the world, keep attending but never transform? What happens when people begin to attend church without transforming, attending without transforming? What do you think the witness of the local church will be when there's so many attenders but no transformers? What does that say about the power of Jesus Christ in the local church? Have we relied more on church attendance and church letters to define our membership? Or are we built on the function of taking O2 from Jesus Christ, taking it into ourselves as biblical community inside our membrane, inside our biblical community, our fellowship, and taking it to the dead parts of the world and breathing life into it? That's function. Number two is form. Form. You see, every cell has to have form. Otherwise, it just bleeds into other cells and there's nothing to, to separate it from the world. And you may say, well, Pastor, there's not supposed to be cliques in church. That's very true. But there is outsiders versus insiders. You see, Paul says, we don't judge outsiders, but we do judge insiders. So, hey, wait a minute, Pastor, I don't think that's biblical. Actually, let's look at it. He says, you are to judge insiders. What? You say, well... Here's how this works. We pray for, we love, and we endure the sin of outsiders. We show Christ to outsiders, but there are unacceptable things that are not allowed in the local church. We just read some. And that means believers are accountable to one another. I love what one author says. He says, there's a great difference between the world being in the church and the church being in the world. You see, our job, our function is transforming power. And so if there's anything that doesn't help the form of that, the function is transforming power. The function is being the body of Christ that is healthy, the form of our membership, meaning there has to be things that we say, no, that is not a part of us, and this is who we are in Jesus Christ. We are not those things, but we are these things. So I'll endure taking this cell and going into dead tissue so long as I have the power to bring transformation to it. But the problem is when viruses and other things come in and get through that membrane and start affecting us. You see, the number two thing is if transformation is the first definition of local church membership, the second is this. It's progressive sanctification. That's a big word. What does it mean? Progressive means the forward moving. Sanctification means the process of being holy. The first thing is that when you get Christ, you get transformed. But are you perfect? No, we all still deal with sin and every single one of us deal with sin and we're not here to judge and point all these little things. But there is a moving forward moment in the Christian life that says sanctification, this process of being reformed into who Jesus has made us to be is a forward movement thing that we all do individually and that we all do collectively. The collective part is what's not was foreign to local church. So this is what Paul says. He says, it's kind of like that moment in Exodus with the unleavened bread thing. You remember the story of the, uh, Moses and the Exodus? He has them kill a lamb, an innocent lamb, and he applies the blood to the doorpost, meaning 
The innocent blood of the lamb was sacrificed, and the blood by faith was applied to the family's home, meaning that when the death angel came, it would pass over them. The word Passover, pass over. So uh, we sing the song, uh, Miss T, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. I mean, know that song, right? And the Passover. So the blood allows the death and judgment to pass over us, but there's another part of the story. The, part of the other part of the story Paul brings out is there's a part that says what each family had to do is to go into their cupboards, into the drawer that you put your rubber bands and your Ziplocs in and there's trash in there that nobody ever wants to, visitors to see and find out do you have any yeast in your home? Yeast represented sin. It's what makes dough rise. They had to make all their bread to, for this journey. Their bread had to be made without yeast, without uh, leaven. And that leaven represented sin and it represented haste. They had to go out and on the move, every family, to go out on this Exodus journey, each family had to work on removing sin in their house so the entire tribe could move forward. That doesn't really speak much into our culture of independence and individualism, that the way you run your family will affect the way I have my family here in this church. The way your family participates in this church affects how my family participates in this church. The way your family worships in this church affects how my family worships in this church. The way our leaders handle their sin life, you know, it affects much of our church. The, the way we pray and as a leadership team and as a corporate body affects the culture of worship in this church. The way we as a culture and a worshiping body witness to our coworkers affects how this church grows and is healthy. You may not understand it or believe it, but everything you do as a vibrant member of this church affects how we move forward as a family. You see, the whole tribe couldn't move forward until leaven was taken out. Now, we're all going to deal with sin and we're all going to slip up, and that's part of grace, refining this old body until his new body comes. But here's the deal. You know, you can be spirit-filled and you can be wrong. You say, I don't need people to be in my business, Pastor Heath. I, don't, I just want to come and, and listen and go home and, and be a good Christian. Well, you can try that, but you can be spirit-filled and be wrong. Look at Samson. He rejected instruction by his parents, and he ended up blind and hairless and, and in prison. Saul rejected Samuel's counsel, and he ended up losing his kingdom. Ananias and Sapphira rejected biblical community as stewardship, and they both died. You see, we need each other to be healthy. And Galatians says, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. You see, biblical community requires accountability. Biblical community requires accountability. Remember what Jesus said in, in Matthew 18, and let's wrap it up with this. Matthew 18, Jesus says, guys, if, if you see one person in your, your body of your fellowship sin, then that person's supposed to privately go to that person and point it out and say, hey, man, I love you, but let me, let's work on something. And if that doesn't happen, he says, go take one or two more. So there's three of you. So in the presence of two or three witnesses, something can be confirmed. And if they go to that brother in love and they don't work that thing out, and it's still that person won't repent and come into unity and fellowship and move forward into holiness, then you're to what? Take it to the entire church body, Jesus says. Go into the entire church body. The entire church body has a meeting. They judge on the decision. And then if that person doesn't repent and come back into Christ, they are to treat him as a Gentile and a tax collector, somebody who is excluded from their fellowship. How many times have you been a part of one of those meetings in the American church? We don't do that anymore. Why? Because we don't believe in biblical community. I remember uh, when I, my first year here, there was a, we were in small group and there was a person 
a part of this church, and, and uh, you know, I'm the novice pastor. I'm just going to come in and, and live it, right? And uh, so this uh, person was in Bible study often, and, every, and they had great things to say, but every time they would talk, it was very divisive, very confrontational. In fact, some people had come to me uh, and said, man, I'm really offended by this person. And some people were even going to think about not coming to this Bible study anymore because this person was always really demanding on their position in the Scripture. And we have an interdenominational church here. So we had Baptists and Methodists. You know, we have Pentecostals. We all come together. And so I one day pulled this person aside in my office and said, hey, you know, man, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I think you got great points when you talk in, in Bible study. I'm just going to let you know, you come off really offensive and you're kind of confrontational. And I don't know if you know that about yourself, and I would want to know. And I think you got, again, you got great points, but man, we've got to work on this. And you know, they did, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. And we talked about something else. They never came back. Why? And they would go on to say, you know, well, I just disagree with that pastor's doctrine. Yes, you disagree with the doctrine of accountability. You disagree with the doctrine of speaking the truth in love. That's what this is all for. We are to move forward together. And if you offend me and I offend you, we are to have honest conversations so that we can move forward as a tribe together to affect transformation in this local community. The problem is we don't have a, uh, relationships enough in the modern American church that we can do that. We're not invested in each other's lives enough. We don't trust one another. We're too prideful to take counsel, to take correction, to take discipline. We think we're our own man. And, and, and honestly, we just want to come to church and then go home. But that's not biblical church. That's not biblical community. You see, in love, we're not to judge one another's motives, but we are to be honest about each other's conduct. Galatians says that we're to restore brothers in a spirit of gentleness, but first look to ourselves. Paul said in the Bible that we've got apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, elders, deacons, and even told Timothy when he left him to establish a church in Ephesus, he said, Timothy, don't just do the work of evangelists, but as a pastor, patiently correct, even rebuke if needed, and encourage your people with good teaching. You think church leaders have the authority in your life to speak the truth and love to you and that you would, be you would stay in their church without being offended? If so, you're in biblical community. If you'd be offended and leave, you don't believe in biblical community. It's quiet in here. Even, you know, the Apostle John, he told him in his letters when he was dealing with problems in his church, he said, guys, if there are people in your church who will not repent, if they're false teachers, if they're blasphemers and deny Jesus but want to pretend Christian, he says, don't even eat with them, don't even answer the door if they knock at it. Why? Because the function and form of this cell is most important. That this cell, this local assembly, has to be separated and we have to say we value life transforming power so much that we will guard it and we will protect it we guard the unity of this fellowship we believe in the power of the holy spirit that's got to come and bring life-giving power into this church so that we can take that power and take it to a dead and lost world and see that world lit on fire for jesus christ and anything and anyone who hinders that We've got to bring that person back together in love. And if they reject that, then they have to go. You see, because we've allowed so many that our church membership is about our attendance, but not our biblical community. Paul says, even in the most severe cases, unrepentant public sin of a member was to be judged publicly. 
And he said, even to the point, he says, I'm going to give this person over to Satan for a season. What does that mean? It means he would allow Lord's hand to be lifted off that person so that, why? They would repent and come back into fellowship. Any time in the church, the point that we have discipline or correction or godly counsel is not because we're judgmental or judgy or want to be preachy. It's because we love that person enough that we want them to win. Because if they win, we win. If you win, I win. So I want you to be healthy. We need each other to be healthy. I need your marriage to be healthy so all of our marriages are healthy. I need your family to grow in worship so all of our families grow in worship. I need just to confess and be accountable on our sin so that we can continue to move forward in the power of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, this man would later be, he would later repent and he would be restored into fellowship because it works. It says biblical community requires accountability. If we're going to move forward into God's promises, if we're going to transform the world, we've got to be healthy individuals and we've got to be healthy as a biblical community. That means we need something that's flexible, something that's semi-permeable that allows the lost to come in, but they've got to be willing to be transformed and that we receive this life-giving power. Anything that rejects transformation has to go. It has to go because we value transformation so much because our mission, our function is to see this world change for Jesus Christ. And that might mean in the weeks and months as we grow as a local church that we say, guys, our church is not about church attendance. It's not about membership in a legal sense or a doctrinal sense. Those are all good things. But this is about biblical community that we believe that God is giving us the Holy Spirit power on the inside and we believe that every member has got to be transformed and be continuing to be transformed because we're going to this world. We're going to live for Jesus Christ. Amen? Miss T, would you come? Biblical community needs protection and sometimes correction. Here's my question to you today. Have you been transformed? Have you had a transforming encounter with Jesus Christ so that the old has passed away and new has come? And two is, are you willing to invest your life in biblical community? Are you willing to let other people speak into your life? And are you willing to slow your life down enough to hang out with a new Christian, a young Christian, and be willing to invest time into their marriage, into their family? have a relationship that you could speak into their life and know what's going on and care about their life and not make church all about you or an event or a social club or an attendance roster but that this is a family moving forward together to transform this community for Jesus Christ and we need each other we so desperately need each other I'm asking you to pray about rejecting what the world says church should look like and what culture has even determined what church should look like and get back to reclaiming biblical community. Biblical community. To speak the truth in love, to love each other, to grow together, to be transformed and continue to be transformed. Would you stand with me this morning? Am I accountable to others? Am I submitted to biblical authority? Am I willing to invest my life into others in my local church?